Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. This is Nadia. And we are here with a really amazing guest in the UAE. Can you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. My name is Amuna. I am a black Arab queer woman. My uh, pronouns are she, they. I'm an activist. I'm an entrepreneur. I am honored to be with you guys. Yeah, so glad to have you. Um, And have you always lived in the uh, UAE? I have. I have. I was born here, actually. Um, I've lived here um, intermittently between here and the States growing up, but majority of my uh, childhood and upbringing uh, happened here in the UAE. Do you want to talk about your activism, what that's looked like? So yeah, uh, within um, the last, I'd say, couple of years, I've really come into like my full kind of queer potential, I'd say. Being, living here, it's not like culturally accepted to be out, but, I, but I'm pretty much out, out of the closet all the way. Being that and embodying that, um, when recently the conversation happened, the global conversation about race started, I thought this was a great opportunity for a conversation about race to happen within the Middle East. You know, I'm, I'm gonna be 30 this year and never in my life have I witnessed uh, like a, a conversation on a large scale about race happen in this region ever, ever. So it was really mind-blowing for me to, to see um, the Arab world react in the way that it did and, and conversations happening and people actually talking about what race represents and the fact that, you know, within the Arab world, you know, every, pretty much every Arab country has black Arabs, but there is this weird combination of like avoidance, complete avoidance of, of acknowledgement coupled with kind of these, this weird social segregation um, whereby, you know, they know they are less than, the society knows they are less than, but it's not spoken of ever. I think it's time for this kind of weird discrepancy to be broken and for this conversation to happen and people to see that, okay, Black people do exist in the Arab world. They are part of the Arab society. They are, like, they're Afro-Palestinians, they're Afro-Jordanians, and you never see them on TV. You never see them acknowledged. You never see, you know, non-Black um, Arabs marry into Black Arab uh, families. So I thought this was the right time, and, and I'm very happy I did it, and a lot of people do agree with me that, you know, it is important to, to highlight the existence of Black peoples in the Arab world. Yeah, that that's so true. I feel like some things are like finally coming to the surface that have been like just below the surface for so long. Right? Um, yeah. I feel like whenever, or a lot of times when I've brought up racial issues, um, people will tell me like, for instance, my, my family is Lebanese and I, I get responses like, race is an American construct. We don't have race here. And I'm like, oh, they yes, love you do. yes, you do, yes, you do. Racial yeah. constructs look a little bit um, differently in different places, but that doesn't mean they don't exist. Um, oh, and I, favorite I, argument. Yeah, yeah. And and I think, like, I've had the most success making in ways, like, when talking, um, referring to experiences of, like, mixed-race people in my family, because that's sometimes, like, easier for people to acknowledge when it's people directly connected to them. Um, right. But then, like, easier for them to kind of brush under the rug otherwise. Of course. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, it's the, the favorite argument as well. Nobody's shooting you in this tree. Nobody's shooting you down. No police officer trying to trying to kill you. I'm like, great, thank you for not killing me. But like, how about you acknowledge the my bar existence? is low? The bar is low. <laughs> like, yeah. like beyond, like beyond somebody in blackface in like a, a, a Ramadan TV show you know, acting like a Sudanese character when there are like hundreds of thousands of Sudanese people living in Saudi Arabia, you can hire any, any one of them rather than painting yourself yeah. brown. Right. You know? But like, oh, but that's not racist because you're not killing us in the streets. Thanks. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's like racism here isn't always only just killing people in the streets. Like, thank you. <laughs> that's, that's not the only thing it is. Yeah. Yeah. But their argument is always like, well, nobody's dead here because they're black so there's no racism please go away we're here and we're here to stay and we have a voice and we have like we have power and beauty and talent and acknowledgement and and this weird concept like we need to integrate black people into society as crazy as it sounds it it is actually something that has to happen you know black people are not part of society in any way that is more than a comic relief in a tv show or like an over-sexualized woman um, in a music video. Mm. Like that's yeah. that's where like the line is drawn and that's where our contribution ends um, within the media. Within everyday society, we're just looked at as part of it, but, not, but I, I like to describe it as black people are, are the asterisk in kind of the paragraph of society um, in the Arab world. No, they're part of it, but not, yeah. they're not actually part of it. They're like in the small little tiny font at the bottom of the page. So I guess um, what have been like responses that you've gotten when bringing up experiences of racism? Most of the response I got has been incredibly positive. I, I felt so empowered and so like right. And what I did, I was like proven right by um, just the love and support and people saying, actually, all of this is true and all of this has been felt and all of this we have gone through personally and, and have no people that have gone through this. And so it's been fantastic to get that. But a lot of people have also been like, this is reverse racism. If you're, if you're saying this, then obviously you're saying you're better than non-black Arab people and that's a problem. Or they'll, you know, classic. that one, religious, yeah, classic. <laughs> or that religious person will come and recite that little part of the Quran that says, you know, there's no different uh, difference between uh, an Arab and a non-Arab except for their piety. And they say, well, you know, Allah said there, there's no difference between, you know, between any of our... Well, you're um, not acting like there's no yeah. difference. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And so we're like, because we're Muslim, by default, we can't be racist because we believe in the Quran and the Quran says this. So by association, no, get out. You're like, sit down. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. Please. Yeah. When did you start the Black um, Arabs Collective? Very recently, actually. As, as the conversation about race um, came together, my girlfriend and I... So my girlfriend started like a podcast slash kind of panel talk um, event called Can We Talk BXB? In which she she's had two episodes out already. One was a big panel with different kind of with a big diverse panel. There were there was a mixed race South African girl. There was a black South African guy. There was a Nigerian American girl. There was um, a black Arab myself. There was there was an Emirati black um, trans man. It, it was it was a gorgeous big panel uh, of diverse people with different genders and 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 races and colors and um, and it was really interesting. It was such a great talk. And as, you know, my girlfriend was coming up with that, I, I felt that 
you know, there, there should, this is, this was, you know, it was very diverse, but it's also like global in its diversity as well. And I thought there should be something for this part of the world, you know, us as Arabs, because we don't have that. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. You know, just like there was this giant gap for a space for queer Arabs that you guys created that I am absolutely insanely in love with. Thank you guys. Like I'm the intersection. I'm like, I center the inter many intersections yeah. and it's like, I am black, I am a woman, I am queer. I am, I, I grew up very Muslim, very conservative Muslim. I am, you know, I'm all these different things and I'm an immigrant in a country I was born in, but I'm not considered uh, um, um, like an Emirati because of their own kind of laws when it comes to um, nationality mm -hmm. and, and nationalization. So I'm in like I'm the center of so many intersections and finding people that you connect with, finding your tribe has been so difficult for me growing up and until this point, actually. So finding a space for black Arabs, which are a super niche um, within the Arab world, mm -hmm. was something I wanted growing up and didn't have. And so I created it. And and that's why um, I did it. And I think it was the right thing to do. Um, the yeah. response has been great. You know, I was, I was able to connect with so many interesting and creative and smart black people, black Arabs, non-black Arabs, creatives, you know, people like you guys, you know, you, I, I had access to you guys through the Black Arabs Collective and I'm so happy I did. Being, being the center of so many weird kind of niches, this was the product of that. Yeah, well, I'm so glad you made it. I'm so glad um, we got guys. in touch. Yeah, online spaces can be so important for finding community. Have you yeah. been able to um, find like community physically where you are, either with regards to um, Black Arabs or queer organizing or anything like that? So um, a friend of ours, um, a trans man, he created safe. He created Safe Space Dubai, which is like a safe space um, whereby people, queer, not queer, you know, different all the all different kind of kinds of people they come together every saturday and uh, they there, there was a gorgeous little space at a coffee shop that we used to gather in but now it's been through zoom um ever since the global pandemic but yeah this was kind of the the physical kind of uh, flourishing of you know years and years of us feeling kind of lost and and alone and so we can't we come together every saturday you know there are queer people trans people black people non-black people arabs non-arabs and we you know we just come together we share we talk we support each other and it's very interesting and it's very supportive that's awesome that sounds great yeah. yeah um and like what have been some i guess some highlights since you've started your page online well there are different kinds of highlights but there, there have been so many you know uh, I received so many DMs and messages from, you know, young uh, black Arab individuals. There was a Lebanese boy, gorgeous Lebanese boy. I think he's a model as well, big curly hair. Um, and, and he has a little YouTube channel that is up and coming. I want to be able to support him and like, you know, get, get more traffic his way. You know, there is, there is this other um, Jordanian, Palestinian black girl um, who has a big fo following. She's a, she's a comedian. And you know, getting in touch with all these different people who come from so many different backgrounds, but have that one thing in common that makes them so different to their society that they share so much with. You know, you know, if you and I were from the same country, we'd share so much. The only difference that we had would be our skin colors, but because of that, they're seen as super different, super removed. 
um, and they've had to like claw their way back and, and fight their way into society, you know, connecting with these people and being able to create kind of a little support group for their own experiences where they, they're super niche, but they're able, we're, we are able to connect on that level and, and have that in common has been fantastic. Another thing was being able to connect with creators and, and, and creatives and super cool and interesting people like you guys and, and artists and, and super, super interesting and fun people that I want to collab with and, and work with and, and, and you know, take this tiny little movement to the next step with. Another tiny little highlight was that I was interviewed uh, by uh, an Israeli TV channel uh, a news channel um, and it was a conversation that they had about beauty standards and anti-blackness within the Arab world and that was very interesting because I was able to you know their their audience is completely different from mine and so we were able to break through into like a different a completely different demographic of people that were able to see and listen and learn so the highlights have been many but they've been also quite different but in 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 such a great way Awesome. Um, I guess stepping like a little bit back from the platform into your experience, like what um, particular experiences have you brought up that a lot of people were like, yes, I resonate with that too? Being, being a black person, a, a woman, a queer, coming from a very conservative, very religious background, I grew up feeling so different, super different. I related to very little of the experiences that my peers went through. I went to predominantly government schools that were like predominantly um, for Emirati students. And I went to girls only schools looking. It was like looking through a glass kind of wall where I see everything. I experience everything, but I'm kind of separated by this glass um, wall that I can't kind of like the glass ceiling that they talk about. But like it was like a social glass ceiling that I couldn't break. And having that and having nobody to relate to was tough. You know, um, the way I was brought up was super religious. Like I had to, it took me a very long time to get over the trauma of being brought up with so much violence and so much meanness and so much uh, hardness towards me. And so much like, if you're not this way, then you're, then you're, then you're wrong. You know, if you're not covered, then you're wrong. If you're not straight, then you're wrong. Then if you're, if you're, if you if you break any kind of social um, norms that we that we deem to be the right thing for girls, then you're wrong, and you need to be disciplined. You need to, you need to be taught. So that was very difficult for me to have to kind of get over. Um, but with time, I've been able to. And with a lot of therapy, therapy is great, Therapy's you guys. So good. <laughs> Therapy's so great. Um, I've been able to learn to kind of take my experiences and try to help other people not to go through similar things. You know, I have nieces and I have nephews that I love so much that I want to protect from that kind of um, mindset and that kind of like negative kind of oppressive upbringing that I went through. Mm -hmm. And if I'm able to, you know, not my own personal familial experiences, but the social experiences that I went through, if I'm able to like help other people not feel that way, not feel completely removed and, and separated by that glass ceiling, that's what I want and that's the ultimate goal. Yeah, it's hard enough like finding people to relate to your experience of being yeah. a yeah. black Arab in the UAE and then yeah. you also were coming to terms with queerness. What was, I guess, what has been your experience 
finally finding a space for that intersection? Well, I don't think I have found like the ultimate kind of hub to like encompass all of the different things that I am. I'm working towards that internally and externally in my space and in my friendships and in my relationships. But it took a long time. It took a lot of work. You know, I had to, I had to, I have to unlearn a lot of the things that were taught to me. A lot of the things that I believed that I was told that, you know, I was wrong and I was, I was a mistake and I, everything I was doing was a sin and I was a sinner and, I, da, 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 and all these terrible, painful things that I had to undo and, and unbelieve, you know, I have, I have severe uh, anxiety and I have, you know, I get, I get really like terrified of, you know, we have a, a mosque next to our house, like literally next to our house. There is a mm -hmm. tiny little street and it's a huge mosque and, and five times a day, you know, the call for prayer would start and I'm immediately like, <laughs> it's so heavy. And mm -hmm. it's, and like, the thing is, the weirdest thing is subconsciously I'm reciting the Quran with the, the Imam as he goes because I'm, I memorized all of it. I have to, you know, yeah. and it's like this weird thing where I'm in this in my apartment with my girlfriend and I'm, you know, living my big old gay life <laughs> with the prayer being called to the background and the Imam is, is reading the Quran and I'm able to recite it with him. My girlfriend, my girlfriend's from the UK. She's sitting to me, sitting next to me, like, "What is he saying, babe?" <laughs> like, "Oh, babe, if only you knew." <laughs> like, and it's like, you know, and there's a lot of work that has to be done internally for me to be able to like say, "This is my experience. I lived through that, but I also outlived that, and I live, and I, mm. and I've survived that." And that's where I'm working to get. I've, I've kind of distanced myself from my family. I've moved out of the house, which doesn't happen in my culture. Girls, you know, I was told growing up, you go from your father's house to your husband's house. You know, we don't have, we don't have- Like this the in-between. Yeah, no, yeah. you don't yeah. move yeah. out and get we your own apartment, yeah. No, that's not a thing. You know, we, we don't have girls that leave their, their family homes. My brother still to this day tells me, when are you coming back home? You have to come back home. This is inappropriate. You know, you're a girl at the end of the day. And I'm like, actually, mm -hmm. I'm never coming back. So, <laughs> you know? And it's, there's a lot of work that I had to do on myself that I'm continuing to do because there's a lot of trauma that I still carry with me, a lot of pain, a lot of like years and years of, of indoctrination and being taught um, that you're a certain way, that is, that which, which isn't true, that you have to really break and unlearn and, and survive. So that's my journey and that's where I'm trying to get. So my, my end result would, will be what you guys said, having like a physical space and, and, and a, even a cyber space and a mental space where I am at peace completely with all of the things that make me myself yeah, yeah i've been works. um kind of thinking also on the topic of like unlearning and like what you're saying like you can't erase it like no. sometimes we think about unlearning like oh well just like erase the stuff we learned in the past and then we'll be different oh, people can't. and like no that's that's not, that's no. not a thing it's it's more about like like you said like understanding this is my experience mm -hmm. and yep. i can process where it comes from and it doesn't exactly. maybe come from within me and it's not gonna dictate my future but that doesn't mean it just goes away <laughs> can you hear can you hear yeah for prayer? yes Wait. there we go my girlfriend is naked tatting on the balcony right now <gasps> and the call for prayer please make it make sense no they have they have no idea this is going on a gay podcast too <laughs> i love that this is incredible. So you know what i love when i listen to you guys podcast the arabic music <laughs> Yes, I feel so Arab right now. 
So this is this is this is like the ribbon what a on scene. top. I love this whole yeah. scene. Right <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's so aesthetic. A, yeah. a naked, gender non-conforming individual is on this balcony Beautiful. right now. I love it. Call for prayer. All of us queerios. Queerios. <laughs> yeah, hang it out. Shall we wait until it's over? Oh, I because think I think we can keep going. Like <laughs> yeah, I, I like. That loud? No, it's not I think that it's, loud. It's the perfect background. It's just like music. a subtle oh, background. Yeah. yeah, I love that we have like Some a scene sample. setting. <laughs> yeah, a sample. For <laughs> the blasphemy that's going on at the yes. moment. Yeah, yeah. Right. We are committing so much blasphemy right now. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, so back to yeah. blasphemy. What were we saying? <laughs> <laughs> and being like gaslit yeah, uh, your whole life, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, you can't, oh, you yeah. can't erase what you've experienced and what you've learned. You just yeah. have to like be able to process. Like this is. Yeah. I'm just gonna it's go in a correcting. different direction now. Yeah. Yeah. It's about correcting. It's about. It's not about undoing. It's about correcting. Mm -hmm. You unlearn it by looking at it, seeing it for what it is, which is incorrect. It's an incorrect indoctrination. It's gaslighting, like you said. Yeah. You're taught that you're wrong and you're a sinner and you're a horrible person. And you know, you know, they tell you a mother's love should always be in unconditional. Mine was very conditional. My mom very, like, very ex explicitly told me, "If you're not close to Allah, you're not my daughter. I don't love you. I don't love you unless Allah loves you." You know. Yeah. And it's like these things that make you feel okay. So I'm unlovable because Allah doesn't love me. You know, I'm doomed and I'm going to hell. But you grow up and you learn that actually. No, a human being doesn't decide your destiny after you die. First of all, who, who who even knows if any of this is a real thing? First of all, right. Second of all, if it is a real thing, surely God knows everything. Knows inside of my heart. Knows my my circumstance. My He's made me the way I am. My mom's not going to decide if I'm going to hell or not. Surely she doesn't. She doesn't know if she's going to hell or not. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So nice. I had to really. Right. I have to. I had to see my family for who they are, which are human beings. For the longest time, they were like these gods and titans in my mind that controlled how I felt about myself. And, yeah. and that's where my severe anxiety came from. You know, I would get a phone call from a family member, even now that I live with my girlfriend that I've removed myself, I would get a call from a brother or my mom. And immediately my anxiety, I'd feel it bubbling up and like coming up inside of me like freaking fire. And it's, it's a lot of work that has to be done but it's a lot of damage that is being done to not just me, but many other people. There are many young Arabs and non-Arabs. It's not just this part of the world that is homophobic, but a lot of people are being taught that they are wrong and bad and evil and, and, and mm -hmm. sinful for being who they are. And I think that cycle should break. And I think we are the generation to break that cycle. I, I love that our generation is able and, and the younger generation that's coming after us they're able to really love who they are and like you're not going to tell me who i am you're not going to tell me what i need to be i know what i am i know who i am i know what i need to be and it's so so nice to see and it's like i i wish i was like you growing up but i'm so happy for you i'm so happy that you're able to see yourself for truly who you are you're a good person and you're talented and you're smart and you're interesting and that's all that should matter you know, your relationship with God is your own personal relationship with God and nobody else should dictate how that should look like. And, you know, seeing younger people being able to, to live that, it's, it makes me so happy. It yeah. makes me so, yeah. so happy. It's so, okay, it's, can we talk about how much of a trip it is when you realize your parent is just a human? Like, right? it's yeah. such a bizarre realization. I mean, it's not like an instant like no i don't know uh, gradually you just 
recognize them as someone who's just another person. Oh my yeah. god. It's so yes. bizarre to and it, it goes that both ways, like, whether it's like idolizing them or like yeah. being like very like, oh my god, they're wrong. This person is wrong and like coming to this like very abrupt realization that a parent might be wrong and then you're like, of course they might be wrong. They're a human who learns stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and it's such a scary feeling because you're yes. like then what else has been a lie if my mom is just a human being who makes yeah. she's not this this perfect godly thing then oh he's still going um, amazing keep going <laughs> then what even is life then then everything i was taught is a lie then you know she doesn't actually know any of the uh, the things yeah. that she taught me back it's my it's my job now to teach myself the things that I I know to be true, the things that I agree with, the things that I accept. Yeah. It's up to me to now educate myself, and it was it's it's hard work, but it's worth it because you're you become so fulfilled and so comfortable and so happy as 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 you kind of slowly shed all these teachings and all these right. terrible kind of fears that you hold inside of yourself because of things that you were taught. It's very freeing, but it's also a hard journey. It is. I remember in elementary school, like I would, if I would say something to other kids and they'd be like, how do you know? And I'd be like, mom said, my mom oh, told yeah. me. Oh, and yeah. there was no question that if she told me that was It's fact. like mom said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. why are we even having this conversation? So going That's from true. that to like getting to this point where you're like, wait, they were wrong about a lot of things. Absolutely. Um, it's, uh, it's quite quite the trip. I know, when... but it's freeing. I'm, yeah, I've it enjoyed is. it. I've enjoyed being at, like, at the tail end of it now where I'm like, okay, so they were wrong, which gives me hope in myself and in my life. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to be able to enjoy being me now because I no longer feel like a big giant mistake. I saw something where it's like queer people are teenagers in their 30s because like <gasps> like sometimes we felt like like childhood and adolescence was just like not not we I weren't being that. ourselves through that yeah i talk about that i call it our like delayed like i say i say delayed onset adol adolescence where like all we want to do is the things that we couldn't do and i say that to mostly to my to my gay like male friends where all they want to do is have sex with each other and do drugs. And I'm like, yeah, because you didn't get to do that when other people were doing yeah. that. When all straight people were doing that, you weren't able to do that. So now you're like freaking a middle-aged man, <laughs> but you're still out here, you know, doing poppers and going to cruising clubs, you know? Which, you know, listen, no judgment. I'm, I love it. I'm here for it. But it's so true because yeah. we, weren't, we, weren't able. we weren't able to live out our teenage years the way regular teenagers were able to do, you know? we weren't able to go on dates the way teenagers were able to do to like right. you know have our crushes but also be able to speak on our crushes and write their names and hang you know yeah we, we were everything was a big big mistake all of it was a big kind of anxiety inducing fear of being found out mm -hmm. up until now you know we're we're much much later in life but now we're we're finally able to like experience these things for the first time and yeah. it's so weird it's so trippy. Yeah, as a teenager, I couldn't tell Melissa how I felt about her. Melissa, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> I love that her name is Melissa. But I also had a crush named Melissa. You did? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. 
Both Melissa's. If you're listening, I don't think, I don't think they could be the same person. That would no, make sense. that'd be yeah. really weird. Um, same girl. No, that's what I mean. Both Melissa's. If you're listening, I yeah. still know the Melissa. I know the Melissa, and she's definitely oh, no. well, and she's definitely straight. But like, she was just an example. So is other so Melissa. Is, oh, okay. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> wow. The party for Melissa. I sure saw the same girl plays in the background, just very often. <laughs> same girl, same girl. Oh, I think that would be physically impossible for yeah. it to be the same person, unless yeah, she like changed like... ages and states. Yeah, but I have a feeling it's different. <laughs> this is hilarious. Um, on that topic, if you want to talk about this, how did you meet your girlfriend? Yeah, Tinder. Nice. Cool. <laughs> it works sometimes. It works. Yeah, it works sometimes. We met on Tinder three years ago, and then for a year we were like very awkwardly going like on a date every two three months, and it was like very much. So how was you? How you been? Like just meeting, very like politely. And when I when I tell people that for a year we were like going on dates and not nothing was happening, and we're like, so you guys were having all that sex? No, we didn't even nothing. We were just like going on dates, we're having food, having conversations. But she's so awkward and so shy, and I'm the same. So I was. I'm not making a move she doesn't so for like a whole year like I was also dating other people as well and things like that but we like she kind of stayed like she would like dm me things and reply to instagram stories and like do little flirty things and then at the end of the first year she was like listen woman we're gonna do this and then two years later here we are so it's been like three years oh yeah three years since the first date two years since like we've been officially together that that gives me hope for like because when I, I got off tinder because i was kind of getting stuck in the date every two three months <laughs> phase so it's listen, good to know there's there's another end to that sometimes listen it only took 11 months and 10 days okay. for us, baby. <laughs> you have to write it out write it out and then at the at the end of it she might want to make it official they might want to make it okay. official <laughs> hi babe did you enjoy sun tanning outside <laughs> Um, that's cool. Oh, I love that. Come say hi. Yeah, come, come say hi. hi. Come say hi. Come say hi. Just button your shirt and say hi. Our dog is playing. Come, it's come, a come, podcast. Come. No one will see you. It's a podcast. Yeah. No one will see you. Just come say hi. Hi. What's up? Good to meet you. I'm sorry. I look very sweaty and, and horrible. I was outside. It's okay. So. It's a no, podcast. No, no one cares. Podcast. That's the beauty. That's of the best audio. part of podcasts. <laughs> how are you both doing? You okay? <laughs> Doing yeah, good. how are you? Yeah. I'm good, you... I'm good. How was this talk? Was it all right? Was it it's it's going really well. Oh, sorry. Okay. We're still on it. You are, you're going to be featured on this podcast. If you want. If you want. <laughs> if you want. Oh, really? <laughs> <Only> <laughs> awesome. Listen, she's awesome. Thank you for asking her. She's wicked. And I'm sure the conversation's... I can really tell. Nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you too. Bye. Oh, I love when people say cute. wicked. I know, so so British, yeah. wicked. Um, so yeah, so cool. Um, God, where do we leave off? Uh, Tinder. But oh yeah, we'll talk about other things. Yeah, we met on Tinder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We met on Tinder, and two years and and I moved out of the family home to move here last September. So it's been almost a year now, actually, babe, that we've been living together. Yeah, September. Last September, I moved in. Slowly but surely, we're getting there. How has quarantining been? It's been good for us, actually. We've been able to 
we, we, we really enjoy hanging out and just doing nothing, eating food and, and watching TV. So we did that nonstop for like four months during quarantine. <laughs> yeah. We have our little dog, Ziggy. She's amazing. Aww. So we've been hanging out with her as well. Um, it's been very healthy. It's been so, so calm and peaceful. Um, I, I, the thing I didn't enjoy about quarantine more than anything is not like the lack of socializing. For me, it was the lack of movement. We weren't able to move. We have a big balcony and we were walking the dog every night downstairs, but we had the 24-hour lockdown for a, quite a while. So it was very much like just walking from the couch to the bedroom, to the bathroom, to the kitchen, to the couch, to the bedroom, you know? Yeah. But it was it was a good time for our relationship. I feel like we really connected and it was like, and we made plans for the future and we made plans together and we decided to start like a little boutique um, digital marketing agency together nice. and we're doing events together. So we've we've been able to like it has helped our relationship grow for sure that's, that's awesome. awesome i feel like mm-hmm. people are having like such different experiences um quarantining tell me, with tell partners me your experience tell me uh, your experience oh uh, well um this is kind of random so mm-hmm. i was um i lived in new york before this I, i've been saying i live in new york normally but that's just feeling like a weird statement now so i'm just gonna say pre-corona i lived in new york <laughs> Um, and I happened to be in North Carolina for um, a residency with a dance company when all this kind of really went down. And at that okay. point, New York became like the cesspool of Corona. Oh, yeah, um, it was very, very. Sc- it still is quite scary. Uh, yeah, like they've yeah. they've been doing a good job, but it's just kind of inevitably like it's, it's not it's, over. Yeah, yeah. and <clears throat> I was just not. I don't know. Going back to my little Brooklyn box didn't feel like the best decision. Um, Alia was here kind of on the midpoint between uh, where I was coming from and where I was going. And she was like, I don't have a roommate right now. Yeah. Do you want to come here? Oh, amazing. Uh, we thought yeah, this would they, be like, like... drove through D.C. Yeah, because we, like, we didn't want to take planes just, at that point. We so. were like, how about you just get out here? And, you know, I didn't think <laughs> it was going to be going on this long. I thought like maybe a couple of weeks. Yeah. You know, I had my suitcase from the residency. I thought like, well, I'll just, just hang out here for a little bit. Yeah, suitcase. I'll hang out here for a little bit and then go oh, back. Oh, wow. Yeah. But um, things have kept going on. Yeah. And New York um, is starting to open up now and I, I might be back soon. But like for a while, it wasn't um, it didn't feel like it was worth going back to if I was just going to stay in a different box, you know. Right. Um, right, and, right. In my case, it's a much smaller box. Um, <laughs> and it, uh, eventually I um, I decided to kind of pull the plug on my place and uh, move my stuff out. We did like a road trip. We like moved my stuff out. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So you guys um, are now official roomies for good now. For, for, yeah, I, I like, yeah. as long as things, I, I'm planning to go back to New York at some point, um, okay. and I also don't know how long Alia wants to stay in D.C. as yeah. a person in general. Not really. Um, but uh, sure. for now, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah. it's, okay. Been, it's been a good quarantine, though, as far as quarantines go. You know, like, we've all had our emotional waves that kind of get exasperated yeah. by of being course. in the same place all the time. But, yeah, um, of course. As far as quarantines but go, it's been great. We've had some great. fun. We've binge watched Glee. Same. <laughs> we binge watched Glee as well. You did. It's it's we really watched, nostalgic. It's Glee. really comforting right now for some. It is reason. so comforting. It's and there not was a lot good. Of, like no. nice, happy crying. Yeah. I cried yeah. a lot. It was like like emotional crying. And we also finished um, Orange Is the New Black yesterday, okay. and we cried when it ended as well because it was emotional. I cried, but I cried. Oh, I like dropped yeah. the ball on like the later seasons of Me that too. show. Me too. I yeah. only watched the first two, I think. 
I, 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 we got back into it and we finished it yesterday. Okay. It's interesting. It's an interesting ending to it. No, no spoilers. Okay. <laughs> and yeah. was the idea of the podcast a fruit of you guys like living together? Or were you guys doing it before that as it's well? It's actually been over two years now. So um, oh, about, amazing. yeah. So I was living in Houston at the time. It was like two and a half years ago. And then another co-host, Ellie, who is currently living with her mom and doesn't have the needed privacy to record. So anyway, um, Ellie and I were like, oh, well, I, okay. I was like, I keep (laughs) searching on iTunes for like anything about queer Arabs, blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't finding anything. And then I was like, what if we tried making a podcast? What is like, how do we do it? And she was like, I don't know. Let's Google it. (laughs) We put it together. I put together that little intro music, which I kind of want to update eventually. But um, and we were like, let's try like three episodes and see what happens. They were terrible. Like the first three er I I would say the first two or three episodes are just like low quality. We didn't have a good mic. Like we didn't know what to talk about, really. But then we started having guests on um and it's just gotten like yeah yeah and i got involved like lightly kind of a year in um i just connected i I was listening to the podcast we connected um and then there was a point where alia and sometimes ellie were um podcasting at events in new york a lot so i was hanging out with them there and i don't know we became friends i did some episodes with people that I knew, and then during quarantine, I was like, I'm here. I'm just going to be a host. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that. Awesome. Very, very cool. Yeah, I think That's we so connected. Cool. Nadia and I connected, like, a few months after the podcast started. And I think it wasn't long after that. I was like, hey, do you want to be a guest co-host on this one episode? Yeah, it was because I, I, like, I, either I knew the person. Oh, no, it was, I think it was someone dead. who was a dancer. Okay, yeah. so I, I'm I'm also a dancer. So she was like, Amazing. you know things about dance. Asking questions. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it started out that way. Not no, they didn't simultaneously. <laughs> <laughs> I would, that would be impressive. Um, Podcasts are not a great platform for dance. That's the one issue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not. Like a person can talk about dance on a podcast. Yeah. Describe yeah, you it. Yeah. You can't, you can't do so, it. Yeah. you're a dancer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Alia, you, what do you do? Um, so I, I guess art-wise, like, my thing is violin. I am a musician. I've seen, um, I've seen your videos. You're amazing at it. Oh, thanks. I'm trying to get more, like, back into it. I took a very long break for, like, I don't know why. I When I graduated college, I just was burned out. Um, and then People I ended... have a very complicated relationship with their instruments. Yeah, um, I just got... A lot of love, and then, like, you want to break, and then it's a lot of love, and you want to break. Yeah. I don't know. I think it was just, like, being in the, that academic setting and having the pressure to, like, play things that I was told to play and stuff. Like, it burned me out at the end, and then I ended up taking a much longer break than I anticipated. <laughs> and then recently, kind of recently, I was like, hey, it's just sitting there in my closet. I should try, like, doing stuff that I want to do on it. Amazing. Um, How's so, that been going? Good. I think um, being in quarantine has given me the time to do a little bit of playing every day, like, almost every day. That's been nice. 
Yeah. Have you been enjoying that? Yeah. Here play. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, totally did, uh, we did a few improv sessions together. Yeah. That was oh, fun. Yay. Yeah. Oh, that I was looked. Cool. Do you have videos of those? Uh, I don't know. We might. Yeah, I do. Oh, are they saved? Yeah, they're on. I'll send them to you. Okay. They're on IG Live. Please. I'd love to or, see Oh, you. yeah. I forgot that those are saved. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send them along to you. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see those. Yes, please. Yeah. Are you a musician of some kind? No, no, no. no the way you were talking about people's relationships with your parents. I was like, you students, get I was like, that this. sounds like. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have a lot of friends that play a lot of instruments, and I, I love music, and I love listening to music. And it's I understand the struggle. I've been, I've, I've been around it. Yeah. 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 I like your page. Like, you seem to be really... You have a good fashion sense. Thank you. Yeah. I'm wearing my little um, oh, nice. trans yeah. pin today. Oh, nice. nice. I love it. Oh, love that. Um, yeah, I like fashion. I like makeup. I like, uh, it's funny because last night my girlfriend and I popped open a big bottle of champagne. We were just drinking champagne. Then we were having, we were just asking each other questions. Yeah. And one of the questions that she asked me is actually one of the questions my therapist like gave me as an assignment mm -hmm. and the question was um what do your clothes say about you and mm -hmm. my answer i like to oh. be funny and i wrote and i wrote looseness and my girlfriend was like please elaborate <laughs> and i said i grew up like very very conservatively and i was told like i had i was telling her my, my upbringing was the actual literal um embodiment of oppression i was told what to wear how to act like like you know when i could leave the house when i couldn't leave the house which is majority of the time i wasn't allowed to leave the house you know all of these things and being now able to not live that reality anymore and, and being able to dress the way i want i really dress the way i want like i dress exactly the way i imagined myself as a teenage girl i remember i wrote little notes to myself when i was 16 and i said when I like leave the house, when I have my own car, I'm gonna dress this way, I'm gonna buy this. And I, I literally, like a 16 year old, I wrote like a nice expensive pair of sunglasses and a nice <laughs> pair of jeans. Cause these were like things that I didn't have access to and I wasn't allowed to mm -hmm. have. So I now, I dress the way I wanna dress and I dress it with pride, but I also hate covering my body. I will take any, I will make any excuse to, to dress as skimpy as I possibly can my girlfriend's always like, babe, can you just please put on underwear? I'm like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like I'll wear the tiniest little dresses and the tiniest little crop tops mm -hmm. because this is my body and I'm in charge of it and I will. Do yes. I Thank you. Yeah. Love it. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> that was a good one. I also Thanks. feel like, like quarantine is really showing people's different relationships to fashion because uh, there's, there's people who like do yeah. fashion for themselves and they're still doing it. And it seems like you're still doing it. Like, this is about, like, what I want to yeah. wear, you know? Or not. I, I don't try. know. Like, I'm not one of those people, um, honestly. <laughs> like, I'm just here in my gym shorts. Um, That's I've, cute. But, yeah, which can be cute and is also totally yeah. valid. But I think it just shows 100%. that, like, fashion means different things to different people. Like, for some people, Absolutely. like, fashion is, like, performance. Like, this is what I put on to go out and for people to see it. And then, but now yeah. you're also seeing like some people, it's really not about that. It's just like, this is what I wear to feel good. Not at all, not yeah. at all. It, it genuinely is for me to feel good because it represents a lot more than just clothes and like people think yeah. that people will see me in. It also represents, like even in my pajamas and the stuff that I wear, go, like staying at home, I like to wear cute little colorful things, things that again, 
in my teenage years, I would have loved to be able to rock cute little pajamas, cute little short shorts, yeah. and like tiny little crop tops at home. I'm able to wear those. And like, this is so mundane to most people. It's like, it's, it's a fucking, it's a, it's a pair of shorts and a little bra, a little bralette, you know? But to me, it's, it's actual me practicing. It's, it's me practicing my freedom, mm-hmm. you know? That's yeah. it's silly, but it's, it's also not. That makes sense, yeah. 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 This might um, be kind of an annoying question, but I always think it's interesting what um, people answer to it. What would you tell your teenage self if you can go back? Oh, and... you're gonna make me cry. What are you, why are you being a therapist? <laughs> what would I tell, I would tell her that it gets better as lame as it is, as like it's the standard, you know, yeah. LGBT like thing to say to younger people. But I would genuinely tell her it gets better because mm-hmm. there is, I, I did not imagine in a hundred million years you know, 10 years ago, like 12 years ago, 13 years ago, you know, 16 year old me, there's, I would not have imagined that I will be in this position, practicing my freedoms, living, you know, like in the same country, I didn't have to escape and run away and like steal my passport and, and, and escape and seek asylum as a lot of people had to, I just, I practiced my, my power and I practiced my, uh, you know, my self kind of actualization. I was like, actually, no, I am going to move out and I am going to, become independent and this is not something that i ever imagined would happen you know i i I give a lot of the credit to my girlfriend she's really given me a lot of strength to kind of she said i I didn't get she's she said she likes she likes to say that she didn't give me strength that i had the strength in myself she just showed it to me or reminded me of it which is a sweet way of putting it but the truth is i was petrified of of my family you know i wasn't even allowed to spend the night out until i was 27 i had my first ever sleepover at age 27 years old that's fucking ridiculous you know so i would tell my younger self girl listen it's super hard right now and it looks like it would seem like there's no light at the end of the tunnel but there is just hold on tight and yeah. it gets better that's true that's a sweet yeah. question yeah, yeah. thank you it is true yeah um oh it looks like we're gonna jump on to another podcast in a bit. Um, <laughs> oh so, okay um if people want to follow you, what's the best way? Um, yes, my Instagram is at underscore Amuna or at Black Arabs Collective, which is the page that I created. Yes, I am open and I am excited and I'm, I want friends and I want cool people to get to know and, and hang out with and share thoughts and ideas and feelings with. So, yeah. Sweet. And you can follow us at The Queer Arabs on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook. And our website's thequeerarabs.com. And email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Yeah, this thanks is so awesome. Thank you guys awesome. for having me. Thank you so much for having yeah. me. I've had an awesome time. Thank you. Let's well, stay in touch for yeah. sure.